Welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. I'm your host, Alan Wozni, and this afternoon, I've got a unique guest in the podcast, the Zoom Studio. Kyo, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. This is episode number 277. Uh, you introduce yourself, and we're going to, we're going to go. We're doing a, a Zoom cast slash podcast all in one. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, Zoom on my end. We're going to do a little cocktail thing, but my name is Kyojin Simon Chung. Might as well give my full name for those of you. You know, some people know me as Simon. Some people know me as Keo. Yeah. Um, it never bothered me, so I, I kind of went with both. And, uh, you know, as long as someone looks me in the eye and says hi, that's kind of all I need. But, um, yeah, I'm, uh, uh, you know, born and raised here in Calgary. Yeah. Run, running a few different businesses, one of them being my family business of 43 years, one that my uh mom and my grandparents started in 1978 and I took that over during COVID and I think that's one of the things that you know was one of the interesting points that you want to talk about Alan but even before that you know growing up in that industry in the kind of the small food service industry is a small sandwich shop and cafe yeah plus Calgary so for Calgarians wait did your mom did your mom make you take over this business (laughs) did your mom tell you to start this business not at all. It was my kind of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial drive that actually saw the opportunity. Yeah. You know, another business that I run is Sugar Water, which a lot of people know me for as well, which is uh, an events company that's focused on bringing event service through the bar through really well uh, curated drinks and bar service. Um, and that I've been doing for about five or six years now. I think we're coming up onto six years almost. Okay, so let's go. What was the name? So the name of your mom's and dad's uh, 1978. What was the name of that place? Oh, it's called You uh, and I Cafe. Oh, so I, I think you said that. You and I Cafe. I think you said this it, before. It, it's just like you and I are chatting right now. No, no, it's You and I Cafe. Get it right. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, funny enough, it's also um, often mixed up with You and Me. The very famous late night Chinese restaurant. I would tell everybody, it's like, no, no, we don't run the Chinese restaurant. But I, you know, I wish I did. Well, that's funny. So there was a restaurant called You and Me. There's a restaurant called You and Me on Center Street that's known for kind of its late night Chinese. You can go like three in the morning, and I haven't been there in years, but I know it's. Still, well, that's funny. It's a, it was a staple for a long time for the drinking crowd, especially for industry. <laughs> you know, I worked in. During the Olympics, I worked at Singapore Sam's, and you know it, it's still there. Oh, yeah, same. It's imagine the same kind of vibe. It's pretty wild. Oh, there. it had the vibe then. So when I came back to Calgary a couple of years ago, I'm saying, let's go retro, let's go old school, and let's go to let's go to Singapore Sam's. No, you don't want to go there. No, not unless you're extremely inebriated, uh, <laughs> or it, if you're or if you're looking for the show, you know. Yeah, well, I, I, I look. I we went there midday. Thought I'd, re- you know, because the day and during the Olympics, it was fun. It was the place to go on Electric Ave or off Electric Ave. Yeah, yeah, the old Electric Ave. It's still, I know, you know, even just recently, it's, I, I, you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, maybe it was the last time I went, but I still hear of a lot of people still going for late night Chinese after, you know, maybe not. Yeah, you and me or Singapore's. But for both, those are kind of the staples. You <laughs> either go to Singapore Sam still, and people are up on tables dancing. No like, way. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's changed a bit since my time. But. No, then it was a little more tame because if you did jump on the tables, the bouncers kicked you out. But it was three in the morning. You had people because it was during the Olympics, right? So it was open two weeks at all hours, right? So the bars were open late, and it was fun. But it, anyway, that was a different time. But 
I haven't been, look, I'm old, right? I'm old now, so. <laughs> so, Kyo, so look at, so you and I, is your, your mom and dad's, you, you were taking that, you've taken that over, but what started you on Sugarwater Events? What was the trigger? Um, it was friends, actually, and it was um, a couple of my friends approached me, and it was actually something they had started. It was called Time and Place at the time, funny enough. And that was kind of the first iteration. It was a couple of, uh, you know, very uh, great, great guys, Jordan um, and Justin. Yeah. Actually, two Jordans, but Jordan and Justin, they're brothers. <laughs> and um, they started this thing at Market Collective, which I was very closely associated with. Market Collective, which is an amazing local Calgary yeah. um, business. Angel um, is currently running it. And Angela was a previous partner as well. And they're both very good friends of mine. And so... You know, they were kind of on the forefront. They actually were the ones to convince uh, the boys and then eventually us to kind of do the cocktail bar in the market because they saw that it was like a big interest of theirs. What, so, so where is that? Because I, I've heard of it. I, I think even the Pizza Face, why, why, I don't know if you know the Pizza Face guys. Yeah, yeah, Tony. Tony's <laughs> good. Yeah, <laughs> small here in Calgary. So, so that's where they're, they're, out of, they're out of there. But they did the. We did the podcast a few, uh, a couple months back, back in December, and they were in the car. So it was pretty funny because they were telling the story because it's too loud in there. So we're gonna do. It was funny. I, I got it. You got, <laughs> You're I, funny I, guys. You're funny guys. Oh, they are. But I'm telling you, I, I, I just thought it was like the you know Wayne and Wayne and uh, what is it the, you know Wayne's World kind of thing because just listening to them speak, right? I hadn't met them, right? I never met them. But they were like it was like Wayne's World, Garth and Mike, and they they happen to have like his Tony Mike Garth, his last name. Anyway, it kind of yeah, works. Yeah, Mike. Mike is also someone I know well. He used to work for Big Rock as a sales rep, and uh, so he was well known. Well, like everyone kind of knows each other in the street. You kind of stick together. You find those who you like, and you start businesses with them. So. Well, there's no surprise that you know Mike works over at or he had worked at, at Village. I don't at Village Brewery, so no surprise there. Yeah. So you know I. You know, for sure, water it was the, just started by friends at this market, which yeah. started at the Carpenters Union Hall back you know, like maybe 10, 12 years ago. And then it was at the Ant Hill building. I don't know if you know that parking area on Kensington or on 10th Street, kind of in the Kensington area. Well, they started this little like art artisan market over there. And I got to know them really well through that. Yeah. And, um, and then it eventually evolved to go to the Chinese Cultural Center. The market just grew and grew. And now they're over at the BMO whenever they do have the markets. They haven't had it in a while. But, you know, they, they put on a big production. It's super well done. They have an amazing following. They've started uh, through Market Collective. I know, you know, Made by Marcus was first at Market Collective. Um, plant, the plant shop. Uh, well, that's uh, their... Qu- um, uh, 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 Quan. Alex, wait. Cal. Cal. Uh, Cal, yeah. Cal, yeah, yeah. Kyle's a friend of the, Kyle Chow. Kyle's a friend of the podcast. He was, I went there. Like, it's, wow. I mean, I had so much fun because he's, he only has that little shop called The Recess. Yeah, so, right beside. That's right kind of their new project. Yeah. Uh, they're doing amazing well. They, he started doing terrarium workshops at Market Collective in Market nice. Collective and started selling terrariums there. So it's really cool. I think, you know, when I think of Calgary and kind of the small business scene and how it's really exploded. Um, Market Click was one of those first quintessential markets and it gave us our start as well. And, you know, shortly after the, uh, our buddies were making or did the first cocktail bar, I was there. I was kind of helping out. I was always at the Market Collectives um, and they're good friends of mine. And so they asked me to help out and then it kind of just uh, oh. just kind of 
you know, for me, it just happens naturally. I don't really think too hard about, you know, what am I getting in return or, you know, if yeah. I'm excited about something and I'm doing it with friends, I just kind of jump right in and kind of help where I can because that's kind of how I was raised. It's just, you, you just kind of, if you're there, you better be doing something useful. <laughs> so what, no, so describe it. Is it, is it like a, you know, I think of the roundups, I'm going back to my days of the stampede and you come down and there's massive food court. Is it like a big food court? What's it like? I've never been. Yeah, yeah. It, just imagine just like a gymna- a gymnasium where they'll set up a stage. They always center it around music and entertainment and have such great mu- local musical acts and DJs yeah. and that throughout the day. And then you'll have tables around the stage and then just on the court, they'll have just tables kind of lined up and people just, you know, for, for people that have done it for a long time, they make some pretty amazing extravagant setups for just the weekend. And, you know, that was something that we did. We did, we did some crazy things. But it's we an experience. It sounds like, because the way you're describing it, it's like the place you want to be. Yeah, it, re- it really was. I, I, I hope uh, you get a chance to go one of these days. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you. I'll bring you out. We can go one of these <laughs> days. I'll get out of my, out of my hut here in uh, southwest Calgary. But that's, that's like, I didn't know. So, but there's still kind of a permanent place because the Pizza Face guys are there. Okay, that's, um, so Market Collective is one thing, but the, I think that the Pizza Face guys are now in community. <laughs> so, they're at the community, okay. um, uh, the, 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 mark, the community market... You know the grocery store, the natural food grocery yeah, yeah, store. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had on tenth. They had a, a kitchen there that they took over. Now they're at the one in Chinook. So. Okay. Um, I, this, I mean, it's I, kind of, the, the lines are blurred, but that's fine. You know, it's probably the drinking. Yeah, you're you're not too far off, honestly. In Calgary, <laughs> if you mention someone, they have a connection to Tony's been to Market Collective. He's come and drank at our uh, little pop up bar, yeah. which is kind of how the company started. We started just doing these events because they had these markets every six months so we just show oh, okay. up uh every six months and you know everyone had their own thing going on i had my own businesses running you know these guys you know going to school or doing their other jobs or yeah. you know, their own projects or passions and then it got to a point you know you do one of these and someone co- comes up to you's like hey can you do this for me at my big place of work or can you do this to me at my house or can you do this for this event or a wedding or this and that and just purely through us being at that market and the the gravity that that market had and the how well that it was always curated and the yeah. consistent it was every six months for like two to three years um so it sounds it's almost like a it's like a world expo or you know the world's fair the expo whatever yeah. it was in vancouver had yeah, the, you know but that went on for six months here you just had for what a weekend it was just a weekend set up just a, it was just a weekend and over christmas time it would and it's, it's every six months but just for the <laughs> friday saturday sunday yeah for three days. and so it really was like just pop-up bar and that's kind of what our thing was was the pop-up bar that we just kind of pop up and that's amazing yeah, I remember we built out some nice bars for it. I was helping my uh, buddy Jordan, who was a ta- he was very talented at woodworking, just on a hobby level. And I remember going to his garage and we create build the bar. He designed it himself, and um, you know took recycled wood and we just kind of uh, brought these folding bars out to wherever we went. Yeah, it was just really you know, and we just slowly built it up, and it got to a point where we became very busy and. You know, it became a full-time gig on its own. And for myself, you know, I had so much joy doing it. I was very used to kind of the service aspect of talking to people, engaging with customers. Because Was that because the UNI? That's from the UNI? 
Yeah, yeah, because of my family background of like growing up at the cafe and, you know, um, serving customers and chatting with them in the mornings and yeah. talking about the day. Um, so I was, I naturally gravitate towards that work because at the time I was doing some work in coffee trading and I was traveling quite a bit. So um, I, I burnt myself out for sure. I got, you know, I, I was very passionate about coffee and that's kind of where my career after the cafe was was where I saw it kind of going was in the coffee world, yeah. more involved in the sourcing end of things and working with farmers and the whole the wholesale side. Wait, where'd you go? Where'd you go for the coffee? Mexico, southern Mexico, Chiapas mainly, but down in Guatemala and um, uh, was the other kind of hotspot. But mainly in Mexico, I'd say eighty to ninety percent of the coffee we sourced was through Mexico. So as through kind of a small holder. Um, co-op that support just indigenous farmers wow. that were really the most rural, the ones with the least resources. And that was something, you know, I've always kind of been uh, kind of an activist or social minded at heart, like the environment and social. Yeah. Uh, and those were causes that I always cared about, you know, whether it was, you know, model UN and high school or, um, yeah. So I, I, I want, and I also, I wanted to go on adventures. So I lived in San Francisco and Vancouver and I was just, traveling back and forth to these places for half the year sometimes three to four months every year down to mexico and guatemala and but that was that was that for the sh like the shop or the cafe you and i cafe you were yeah, buying the coffee I, I worked i worked there throughout university so yeah. i kind of got me through school and then after university i went to the czech republic for a year uh did a little bit of work and a little study but i got a job um through a professor at the UFC and got to go to school there and played a little bit of rugby there. In Czech Republic, you were playing rugby in Czech Republic? I was playing rugby in the Czech Republic. I played for pretty much most of my life. I played rugby. I played for the UFC and I, was, I, I love competition. I love sports. I That's kind of insane. love that team camaraderie, that kind of intensity. And so it was, I got to play a little bit in the Czech, Czech Republic because, you know, I was by myself at the time and I was just studying and yeah. trying to you know, do the, trying to find a flow and try to really kind of integrate myself in this new place. And the beauty is I've never had a problem kind of integrating anywhere. I could just talk anywhere. But Kill, you, you just took me to, because we were in Dubai for seven years and they had Dubai sevens, right? But the Canadians came, the sevens, and there's a guy out of, out of Vancouver. You're probably fly half as well, right? You were probably... No, no, no. I was fullback. Okay, because he... I am, I am small. I was one of the smallest guys always, but I was the fullback, uh, number 15. Because the... the um, wait, number 15, in the sevens, or in the elevens, or is it 15s? You're the big guy. You're the big guy. The fifth, number no, 15. No, no, no. The, the, the fullback... Um, the <laughs> That's fullback number eight, or number eight. Last man. Yeah, he's, yeah. Kind of the, he's kind of the... The winger. Playing on defense, yeah. if you're familiar with football, or like a punt returner, kick returner kind of jumps in but catches the ball. No, no, I, the winger, I played, come on, grade seven or grade, grade 12, we won, we won Calgary, we won city champs, Crescent Heights, but that was a long time ago. But, <laughs> no, no, but so the Canadians came to Dubai and they were good. There's a guy out of Vancouver, you probably know him and he was, I think he was Asian Canadian, I don't know his nationality, but and he was good. Like they, the Canadians were good and they lost to the, they lost to the Kenyans because the Kenyans won that ultimate sevens that year. Yeah. I don't know if you know any of those guys from the sevens or anything like that. Um, the rugby community is small. You kind of get to know a little bit of everyone, especially when you start doing some of the, like playing for Team Alberta or yeah. playing for the, uh, the um, 
the Wolf Pack was kind of a local kind of like a club team, but we traveled and played in different Wait, parts of Canada. Wait, you're not from The Hangover, are you? The Wolf Pack? Are you part of The Wolf Pack? <laughs> that, is that what it was called? The name of the local carry team. Um, oh, that's funny. Kind of the club team. The kind yeah, of yeah. Team. You know the guy's Alan. Alan, are you part of The Wolf Pack? <laughs> what happened? You are now. <laughs> yeah, I am, I am a, but my name's Alan. I'm not part of That's pretty cool. Well, look. Let's let's go let's go deep dive now. So you started the events, and, and I look behind you for the benefit of the listeners on the podcast. Uh, Kyo has got a massive uh, bar behind you, and that's your this is your personal bar, right? This is part of the personal bar. You know, actually, like throughout COVID, um, my parents went to Vancouver Island, and so the the cafe was going to be done. So yeah. I'll kind of go back to that. We kind of talk. Yeah, about yeah. Where I am right now. But, um, during COVID, you know, my grandpa, my grandpa just got dementia and he wasn't able to stay at his home anymore. And yeah. my other grandparents on my mom's side is on Vancouver Island and they really, you know, my mom is uh, 63 now. She's just kind of like COVID was, it was the end for the cafe. You know, there was just, no one was coming downtown anymore and there wow. was so much uncertainty. So it just, it was just kind of a callous for her. She's like, you know, I, I, worked hard it's been 40 plus years we put a good run in and they were just gonna walk away and so you know for myself who is still you know calgary still very much home i think that's one of the biggest realizations i had when i was trying to leave calgary for the most of my life yeah thinking there's better things around the world is that you know there's nothing that quite beats the community the friends the family and that's something when you know i'm sure for yourself who um, someone who's entrepreneurial or someone who, you know, can be single-minded. It can be great sometimes, but also you kind of lose touch with the things that really kind of ground you. So sure. I kind of realized that. And then through COVID, I just, there's an opportunity. The cafe has such a rich history. It was there. There's equipment. There's all these things. And, you know, Sugar Water, we were paying rent at another spot to kind of have a commercial kitchen and all those right. things. And, store our stuff so i just looked at it, it's like hey this is a great idea this is a great opportunity to transition you know what the cafe can become and then what sugar water um can become you know to have a physical space that kind of tether us down a little bit and to also run the cafe it was just an opportunity to kind of be resilient be a little creative and just you know even if the next year is going to be really tough that i could make it work by doing cafe stuff that's i'm very comfortable with and um, and then also then doing my, uh, the sugar water stuff through the cafe in a new way. That sure. Kind of do. But let's go to the cafe. I want to go. So you were a kid making sandwiches. Like what? What was the main meal when you were growing up? And you had to. Where were you helping out like, with your mom and with your mom mostly? I guess. Generally at the, at the cash because my mom <laughs> noticed for me that I was very much. Um, I was just love to chat with the customers and yeah. I was just pretty fearless and just like I'd be happy to kind of you know, be at the front and I wasn't very shy. And um, so, you know, otherwise, you know, I'm just cleaning. I'm cleaning, doing dishes, cracking eggs for egg salad, sandwich, opening up tuna cans, literally anything. Yeah, Maybe yeah. doing some mixes for some of the baking, whatever needed to be done. This Whatever my dad was doing, I'd go do that. Whatever mom was doing, I'd go do that. So mom was at the front, I'd just go and hang out with her and help her out, just kind of be her third and fourth arm. And if my dad's doing something, I'd go and help him out just being third or fourth. I'm doing deliveries. I'd go and do catering deliveries with my little cart through the plus 15. I run That's around funny. because everyone wants their lunch at the same time. But 
Yeah. You and me. Is this delivery from you and me? No, it's you and I. Wrong guy. Go back. And he, but so were you downtown, like right downtown by the Chinese Cultural Center? Where's the cafe? Yeah, it's on 4th and 4th in the Shell Building. So that building has been around for a long time, very close to Eau Claire, kind of in the southwest there. And it's up on the plus 15 as soon as you go up the escalators. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, when Calgary was bumping for, you know. That's the one with the green, the, the sandstone building with the green kind of top. The old shell building, is that, or no? Right beside, right beside, right, uh, if you go a little bit north from that, I think okay. that's the Roslyn building you're thinking of. Yeah. Or the one where the Supreme Menswear is. They have kind of that more beautiful building, um, but it's just across the street from Okay, that. I, I, I mean, I know a drink, because that changed a lot, because I used to go, and I guess Eau Claire, the Eau Claire Y is closing, but that was crazy i used to go there every day yeah. with my dad before school it's 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 kind of an it's really sad because i was that's such an institution in my eyes as a, i was born and raised in sunnyside back when there was low-income housing in sunnyside would you go to queen e then no i always went to french school i always oh. did I, I went to a french immersion all my life okay so queen e would have been the school but uh, i went to madeline douay and then i went to saint mary's and, yeah well, St. Mary's is a nice little, because I went, I'm just going to go, we went to St. Mary's to do the visit for their IB program last year, and they showed us the floods, and the photo, the, it's amazing what happened at the basement of St. Mary's, that's your, that's your alma mater, so you know the school. My alma mater, yeah, I was, a, I was a full IB French student at St. Mary's, so I'm uh, very familiar with the IB program, and yeah. Uh, yeah, good times. But the other thing that struck me is you go, go downstairs there, and there's a, they have this, um, Salon or whatever they for for coiffure or to do that the hair salon like it's absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and the gym and the weight rooms downstairs as well yeah I'd never been to St. so I get you know because I grew up in Calgary but I'd never been to St Mary's and I didn't realize it was right close to the casino you know the uh, the old uh, I can't remember the Lindsay Park Aquatic Center it was all down there. I didn't it's like whoa it's right there I get literally yeah, that you know yeah. yeah the old Lindsay Park and now it's the Talisman Center I think yeah it's, I don't change his name I've been I don't, I've experienced, I think, three or four different names of that place. Well, that's pretty cool. Because, well, Sunny, I know where you're talking about, Sunnyside. And you know 420. So 420 Premium Mart. I didn't know. I thought they were retail. I didn't know. Like I said, my early early podcast days, I just reach out to someone and wait for them to respond. And then, uh, okay, let's do the podcast. So I'd go there. And so their office is on 17th Ave, somewhere down. But the 420 is right. Come, you come across 10th Street, and there's 420. And I didn't know what it was. And so I come there, and uh, I can't remember the, the girl's name, the uh, marketing, she's the marketing, head of marketing. Anyway, so I come there, and it's like, so what's, what do you guys do? And I, she brought me into this room with clothing and things like that, and, uh, like, like t-shirts and things, right? And I go, are you like, do you sell like retail? Well, we sell cannabis. <laughs> I'm like, I, I didn't know, that's how naive I was, right? Because it was this, it was retail. I knew it was retail. I just kind of wanted Anyway, so now I see them everywhere, right? 420. Yeah, 420. That, that, that culture reference, I'm sure, now clicks for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 420 is actually the time of day, and there's some kind of a historical thing when people will light up a, a blunt or whatever, but I, I didn't know that link. But that's, that's where they took that name. But it's pretty cool, but because that's right at the heart of Kensington. You, they're right there, right? You come yeah. across the bridge. Yet, yeah, uh, so you come across the bridge, but that, that place, that spot has been so many different restaurants yes kind of crazy. well it's yeah for someone who i'm sure that you know every time you've driven by it's been something new there's something different but and it's an old building it's kind of like um eau claire what is that uh, the 1886 cafe which is right across from eau claire oh yeah 
you know, we're kind of going, we're bouncing a little bit, but it's it's relevant because you're in that business and that. Yeah, the food and beverage industry and the kind of the tightness of it, especially for someone from Calgary, you've seen it really. You know, if you're uh, from the 90s or 80s or even before that. I, <laughs> I am, I am, yes. <laughs> you know, an explosive growth in Calgary, which I think is pretty incredible. And I think um, I, I still believe in it for sure. Like, uh, you know, for my parents, they're like, oh, you should move out to BC or whatever. Or, you know, you have no problem finding work or doing something. And, you know, that's always true. But like I said, I, that realization had I had about community and friends and yeah. family. I still have so much of that here, even without my parents being here. So, you know, even through tough times, like we're going through right now, um, I, there's, if, if anything, I just see, and I, I could, I know there's opportunities still. I know there's things that are happening in this city that, that people are still very much, um, you know, motivated to stay in Calgary and make things work out in Calgary and make Calgary come up better than it was before. So I'm excited for, um, for a lot of the new things that are going to be coming. I think the weather definitely helps as well. Spring starts to happen. I was talking to you before this, like my phone hasn't been busier and people are trying to engage back with either their uh, employees or yeah. their kind of communities or whatever it is, whether they're building managers or, you know, law firms or whatever, the schools that spring comes and there's a new life in the city. And it's, it's probably because it's super seasonal here in Calgary as well. But I think that's a part of, that I love as well. No, but that this whole thing you you mentioned you we talked a lot about the market collective. That's a community. You mentioned community how many times? I mean, it's you you go to you go to Prague and there's they have their own community. But you're not part of that, but you come back and you re, you know you can compare and contrast and and that adds to your experiences that you're going to create or you do create. If you didn't go to Prague and they have beer festivals on Carl, what's that the bridge? You know that bridge. You live you've been to Prague. You know the bridge, um, Carl's Bridge, Carl's Bridge, right? St. Charles Bridge, yeah. Or St. Charles, is it St. Charles Bridge? Yeah, that's it. Charles, you know, I know it's Charles. It's been, I think it's almost been, I was there in 2012, 2013, 2012 and 2013. No, and busy, it's just walking, right? And then up, up, up the hills, the castle and all that. I've, I've been a couple of times, but it wasn't rugby, it was Deloitte soccer, the football. So I, we went on an excursion, Deloitte played this mini football. And the boys won the tournament. Uh, not when I was there, but I went the year later, they won it. But it's just this mini football from all over Europe. And we came from Kazakhstan, but I got to see the city with, you know, it was a long time ago. Well, it was 2004 or five, whatever it was, right? But uh, I know the city and it's beautiful. But they, beer and drinking is very part of their, their attrition, right? Yeah. Roast meats and beer and drinking. Yeah, the food culture isn't, wasn't nearly as developed as a lot of like the Western Europe at that time, but it was slowly getting there. But yeah, it was, even in 2012, it, it was still very much, a place that I think no matter where you travel, they, it's known as kind of being a moment in time still, almost like a capsule in time yeah. because the city was, is so well-preserved, and but the culture is still very strong. English and the Western influences weren't heavy there. You know, a lot of people did not speak English, whereas you, you travel to, you know, more of Western Europe, Portugal, Spain, Italy, France, it was much more common for young people there where no, I... No, no, Prague. I was there two thousand. It was two thousand six, and because I was speaking Russian, I was trying to find common ground with some old ladies. Where's this museum? We we're trying to find a toy museum. So I'm speaking Russian, and they're like, they're not getting it. But I just assumed because they speak Slavic, right? But so that was earlier. You were there a little bit later, where they probably had a little, little chance to catch up to the English. Yeah. 
Yeah, but still not much. It was just the just very much the young people, and it still wasn't fully there. But yeah. the old people forget about it. Like you had to learn some Czech words. <laughs> or forget about it. You're good at sign language and pointing, just willing to put yourself out there, which I'm. I never had a problem with. So. But you got to imagine, my when I first went over to Kazakhstan, right? They're very Asian, right? Because there's the very influence of Asian. Yeah. Uh, there's Koreans and uh, Korean nationals and Uyghur, Uyghur from China, and so I, I come there and they're speaking Russian, and I'm like, whoa. Like that is, you know, it's just, it just threw me back when I first went, and of course it's you know it's changes. I've, you just get used to it. So you know, I'm you know, you're, I don't know if you did you speak? Is it Korean the family or? Yeah, Korean. I'm, yeah, mom and dad both Korean. Yeah, I'm very much a Korean family. Um, except when I I remember like I think the last time I went to Korea was when I was 15, and I just had a huge cultural disconnect from it. I'm born and raised here, and yeah, yeah, and then well, you also speak you're fluent in French as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, definitely do, you know, I have a closer kin to my kind of Korean roots. And well, um, and you'll know this name. Um, a, a couple of weeks ago, they did the the uh, IPO, and just a podcast two days ago, um, uh, Harish uh, Harish Consul was on. He was the, the guest on the podcast. He goes, yeah, and Kupang just uh, just raised, and they're like, and I'm like, I know that name. This is kind of like. And they, they were like a 20 billion IPO market cap, whatever it is. I, they're just an e-commerce site. I don't just, but it's a Korean, the Korean roots. Yeah, they're doing well. You know, Korean culture now, I think, is blown up more than it ever has. You know, I think it's part of the lexicon now, like K-pop and the dramas. And oh, but that's right. That group that's, uh, I, again, I, I don't yes. follow all the trends, but that's another one of those. They're like a boy band, four or five. Seven. Seven. seven yeah. They're just like some kind of, and they're just insane. But anyway. Well, look, I've got you. You had a delivery for me, and I, I'm just going to look back. Oh, yeah. Well, we can talk about this bar back here. We're going to my bar. We're going to your bar. So you and I talked offline, and you said, yeah, why don't we do, you know, why don't we do something where we, or you mix a drink, and I don't know how we can accomplish this, but I can move the phone, but, you know, or just yeah. leave it over there. We'll make it, we'll make it very easy. We'd set it up kind of as we, and we chat while we make this drink. Uh, but this is kind of what I've been doing. So this, you know, I think... You know, a bar collection like this gives you some cred as soon as someone sees it. So you're, it gets it, it really commands attention. What's going on behind you? I'm just literally I'm like, what what's going behind there, right? That's yeah. incredible. This is Yeah, it's you know, yeah when you do a ton of different events, especially for, you know, an event company, we do work with a lot of different distributors and a lot of the importers. And so they'll always ask us, you know, we have a pretty decent social media following, but more importantly, we're kind of out on the streets serving the drinks to the local Calgarians, the business people. And yeah. we have a great client list of, you know, you know, great companies that we get to work with. And we've done some pretty massive events as well. We've kind of done Beakerhead, which we served over 40,000 people you know, or uh, sorry, 4,000 people made, it was a $40,000 uh, event in yeah. four hours. That was the sales for a four hour period at Beakerhead. I don't know if you're familiar. Well, with I've heard of Beakerhead. What is it just a, is it a tech conference it's, or? It's a science and arts festival that happens in September for about a week. And yeah. it's kind of, it's, uh, it, it, they do these art and science activations throughout the city. And then they, um, to kind of cap it all off with this big kind of festival party in the park kind of thing where they have music and these art installations from things like Burning Man and like um, it's really cool. And well, so, yeah, Burning Man is a big tech one in the conference just outside in the desert. And exactly, so they brought they bring kind of that tech and science and arts together yeah. as a 
subscription for it. So that's always, you know, a, you know, a great event that we've done. So it's, um, the, you know, when you kind of go to where, where you're kind of working in all these different spaces, you, and especially in public. And I do a lot of pop-ups with different restaurants and bars. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of get the importers and stuff from the different companies and they're willing to give you alcohol. Like, so those are samples. Like you just, you have a lot of samples. Can we say, I mean, this would be a fun thing to just to go through. All right. So what's this bottle? There's, there must be a story behind every, if you have samples, right? There must be a story behind each bottle. Pick one. Yeah. Pick one where there's a story. Tell me, tell, let, you pick one. Nobody the, for the for the benefit of the listeners out there. Kyo is looking back at this massive bar. <laughs> this massive bar. This could go on any any restaurants or, or uh, whatever liquor retail. I could think of a couple. A lot. Of, so half of these are kind of the samples that we kind of have, and so they're one-off bottles. So they have a lot of duplicates of. Yeah. I could kind of right off the bat. There's a couple that are linked to events that we've done. You know, I do always like to shout out the local partners that we have, and there's this great little product. It's very unique as well. It's uh, it's called Aquavit. It's by uh, the Norwegian Aquavit. And it's kind of a very typical of Scandinavia, yeah. Norway. It's kind of their version of gin, but it's a little bit savory. Um, so who ma- sorry, who makes it? Uh, it's uh, Confluence Distilling. Oh, okay. Uh, you're kind of in the. If, yeah, I'd love to connect you with them. They're local distillery, great guys, and they started one of the, I would say the not the first micro distillery, but it is it is kind of in in that realm. They would be kind of one of the first to kind of lead that boat. So they're down in, in East Village. They must yeah, be in East yeah. Village. Uh, no, they're in uh, more like Ramsey, Manchester, kind of yeah. off of uh, Trail, kind of where all the new breweries have kind of popped up. Yeah, before. Village. And uh, Prairie Dog, oh Prairie Dogs, he's more on Fifty Eighth, and yeah, yeah, kind of that's the kind of maybe the end of it, and then there's Annex and Cabin, yeah. and you know, kind of all those places, kind of a little further down. But um, you know, do a ton of events with these guys, so you know, I'd like to I like to feature them whenever they, we can. Uh, but they make Aquavit. That's Aquavit, right? That's Aquavit. Yeah. It's like a Nor- Nordic uh, digestif that's traditionally done like caraway. You know, it's the flavor of caraway. Yeah, it's yeah. a really interesting product. Theirs I love a lot because it really leans into the savory and I love unique things. So, um, no, no, because I worked in Oslo. I worked in Oslo uh, many, for, for a couple of years. I was back in the fourth, you know, and for business trips, but always the Aquavit would come out in a, yeah. you know, the end of the con- the board meeting or whatever it is, is Aquavit. And yeah, I, it's, I mean, it's got, is it, an- you said caraway. I thought it was Annis, but maybe it's caraway. It's like it, a- Anisi caraway is yeah. kind of like the flavors, but it is um, it is the more of the savory. It is definitely but more of the But they make that here. That's cool. That is really cool. Okay, so but I have had some guests. I've had the you know the, the uh, wildlife distillery, but he's out of he's in Canmore. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wildlife would be one. Widmer, well. Matthew Widmer, and then I had the Bridgeline distillery. I was down Jackson uh, Daniel Plesnik, uh, in, you know, down in um, in Kensington uh, in Bridgeline. So I was there. They had a oh, pre- yeah, the Bridgeline Distillery, beautiful space. That used to be a furniture store for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, Eisenberg's, right? I guess, yeah. and they've taken half of the space. It's really cool. They repurposed it, and then I've had a couple that, oh gosh, I'm just trying to think. Two Rivers Distillery. So he he was on, and they just COVID just hit. So we did the we did the chat. Was it um, Freeman? Is it John uh, Freeman? Mark Freeman, I think it is. Okay. At Two Rivers Distillery. So he was talking about they converted. They had hand sanitizers and everything. Uh, and he was pouring it. I've got a video where he was pouring it. He sent me the video where he's pouring the using vodka or the 
hand sanitizer into vodka bottles, which was, you know, it's a, it's a misuse of, of the vodka bottle. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a big thing for a lot of the distilleries I know locally. They were all making local kind of hand sanitizer. That yeah. was the big thing for them. You know, when you lose all the, the, the bars and restaurants that you yeah. want to support you, you know, it's not always the consumer that's going to go out of their way, most of them, to try a new product or to try a local distillery. You know, maybe there is a subsection of that and maybe that is growing now. But, you know, it is, it is I find, the, the industry that supports the local the most. It's, it's kind of through other businesses that they really try to either put local beers on tap or to have local uh, spirits on the well. And that's a business decision you make because... Otherwise, you know, there are larger companies. There are very large uh, conglomerates. Sure. Yeah. That's kind of how alcohol works. And, the, and I know great people in that world as well. And, you know, shout out to, you know, Alberta Distillers. I have a ton of their products because Peter Paul, my guy who works there, does, you know, he, he helps me out a ton and is always yeah. very generous with his time and, you know, getting me some stuff for any clients that might need cocktail kits. You know, he'll give me glassware or whatever else. And that's kind of how they work. You know, that's they they have they give you samples as well as, you know, glassware, any swag that you might need on the side. So <laughs> any swag. But so, you yeah. kill literally come on, go back. You talk to so today. You got all these local distillers, breweries, you know, local craft brewers. But back in the day, we traveled to B.C. to get some, a bottle of kokanee or a case of kokanee. So, you know, yeah. it, we couldn't buy kokanee here or moosehead. It was like this. It was like this luxury beer and like you really carefully opened it. And now it's, you know. The shelves are just dotted with everything local, so yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. I lo- I love it. I-, I think that's I think it's wonderful. But yeah, and um, I don't know. It's tough to say. Every every bottle, like I'd really have to think back. But there are, you know, the beauty. I think of what I also loved about the spirits, and actually, I fell in love with it in Prague. Before that, I was rugby team beer drinker. Yeah, yeah. Shots only, and just mainly <laughs> beer no wine to speak of and when i went to europe for the year really like opened me up to the traditions and the history around making wine making spirits um kind of the rich history of liqueurs that are made by monks you know from um chartreuse from like 19 or 1697 wow. 1697 i think when that was made and you know things like port yeah and how, how you know the the truth Traditionally, how port was made, and you know, after the townspeople would gather together, be arm in arm, stomping with their feet to crush the grapes and to like macerate the grapes and things like that. It's such it's such an incredible place. Oh, we were in Lisbon. It you was speak a place where I got to you know. I... Yeah, we, you talk about port because we were in Lisbon, and oh, uh, you you go to a little shop, and the guys you know it's literally a tiny little shop, and they got different bottles. There's stories behind each. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I didn't get into the stories, but I, you, if you go there now, Lisbon would be amazing, right? Yeah, I, any of those places, you could find some. There's, they're really produ- the, the producers. They're not large companies, you know. Most of the time, really, the the how they honor the tradition, yeah. how it passed down family to family. Those are the some of the things that I absolutely love. It really rings true for me. Um, but that's kind of the things that I kind of geeked out about, and actually. I found that, you know, when you're traveling by yourself, you go to a nice cocktail bar, you go on your phone or on the internet, or you, you ask people for a nice cocktail bar, the bartenders there speak English, 
the service is designed in a way where if I'm going and sitting at the bar, I could have a great conversation with someone and they're making me drinks throughout the night and they're kind of giving me the rundown of the city or they'll, they'll kind of, uh, whatever question I've a- I ask, I generally could, I could find it from someone who's, you know, passionate about what they do, yeah. amazing for craftsmen, so it's impressive as well. But also, you know, if you want to know what's good in a city, you talk to the industry, you talk to chefs and bartenders and servers and you know the bartenders were kind of my guide in every city I went to. It was kind but of but the bartenders are always like in the movies are portrayed as you know someone go down to talk to your troubles. I mean to your point, they're the guy who actually knows because imagine the people that come and go, and they have to they kind of have to know as well, right? They have to know you know just whatever, just the little facts and that. Yeah, and the service is designed that way. That's I think it really. You know, every, you, you kind of play it up. It can, maybe it could be a meme about how the bartender can, you know, is just like kind of your psychologist or therapist or whatever. But really, like, the best service people, they do feel like they're kin. And they, you, you can talk to them about anything and be open. And, you know, alcohol does that. It does open you up. <laughs> yeah. Whether you do that as medicine or poison, you yeah. know, I think there's a fine balance between that. But I think that is something beautiful that if you're not abusing it, it can, you know, it does create some senses of ease and there is some effects that throughout history it's been known to do so so it's a shame it's a shame so i'm gonna hit you right at the covid because that's your space where your people i don't mean your people as in korean people i mean your the, your network your community has been hard hard hit 100%. so yeah it's um yeah, it is. It's it's sad. It's, it's really unfortunate because a lot of people's lives, whether, you know, especially for those who go to work in downtown, that's a whole nother life than the one that you have maybe when you're living out in the suburbs with your family. Yeah. So you lose a whole aspect of that life. And, you know, you also have these other businesses and that are a little bit more close in proximity to you at in whatever you know part of town that you might live that's just a little easier to get around to. And People aren't, you know, we've been told not to kind of go around too much. So a lot of it really has affected the small food and beverage industry, especially for those that, you know, did not want to or did not have like a web presence or never really needed to. They're doing their own great little thing and they just really had to pivot and maybe, you know, to to run a business through Skip the Dishes or DoorDash. I'm going to tell you right now, that's not a way to run your business because the, the, the fees for businesses, the margins that you right. have to take take a hit on to even operate through Skip the Dishes isn't great. So, you know, if I'm if anyone's listening to this local here in Calgary and you can think of a small business that you used to love to go to, whether it's, you know, the server or the cook or the food or the owners that you get to know, you know, uh, go out of your way a bit and call them directly instead of ordering just online on your phone with whatever's convenient, you know. Find those little places, sure. have a conversation. Go pick it up. It's it takes a little bit of extra work, you know, and a lot of people are going through a lot of different things. So a little convenience is sometimes nice. But you know, when I think of small businesses, and then like like the thing that we've been talking about, community and everything is is trying to find those, uh, trying to trying to make sure that we're all together. You know, can come out of this a little bit better. So you know, I would say that about any small business. You know, especially I think of the ones that are owned by the generation of my parents or even maybe just before that or um 
those people that, you know, never had to worry about the internet. And but look just, at, look at that, that change, right? Look at the change when you took the, so the bookstores, there's that movie You've Got Mail with Tom Hanks and, and, and then the big box stores came in, took them down and guess who's taken, and then the Amazons, the online e-commerce has taken them down and now people are going, it's full circle. So the mom and pops are now becoming the community that retail density. I had Lisa Marich on from uh, Distilled Beauty Bar up in, in Martelloup. And she talked about this retail density. So and since I've had that conversation, like I was in there in, her, in the Distilled Beauty Bar, since then I've looked around the city and that it's very important. And I, you know, some of the communities, East Village has done it really well. Inglewood's done it in certain pockets. And you know, it's, it's, I, you, this is your world for since 1978. We've been, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. before I was uh, ex in existence. <laughs> <laughs> Part of me was there, but yeah, it's, um, you know, I think, like I mentioned, I think I mentioned, you know, the weather is kind of getting nicer. You know, you see the bars are busy now. Hopefully, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds. I don't, I, I see this as very much a real risk, and obviously it has. It's been devastating for the many COVID people. spreader. You mean like to people getting out and suddenly there's the more yeah, cases coming? Yeah. But you know, also the restaurants. You know, if the ones that are doing it well and doing it safe, and if people can, you know, still you know, maybe control their lives on the public side, but still, you know, yeah. mindful of each other, be considerate. I think, you know, we could all kind of get through this while also keeping, you know, the fitness studios and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a fitness studio that I'm, that's dear to my heart, Yoga Santosha. It used to be Bodhi Tree, but I'm from Kensington and, you know, yoga was kind of my reprieve anytime I was injured playing rugby. And it was kind of my, uh, something that I really attached on to, but all these businesses, you know, the more, yeah, you know, I, I want, I want everyone to stay open, but you know, if people can't control themselves and it's, yeah, not, but Kyo, you, know, you know, I want to speak because you are the events guy. You're the guy who goes out. You've got to follow, uh, Dave Portnoy, Dave Portnoy from, he's a stool president, barstool president. His hashtag oh, yeah, is, yeah. so his hashtag is on his barstool president, but then there's the barstool I, I'm not much on the barstool side, but what he's doing now, he's going to the local restaurants and he's flipping open the pizza box and he does his really old school. But apparently he did it 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, right? So he's just going back to his roots and it's, it's, it's brilliant. You know, so I think if I really thought of the pizza face guys when I saw him, when you look at his feed on Instagram, right? But I think the pop-up drinks but, or the pop-up Whatever it is, cafes or wherever, you know, going back to you and I and, you know, you know, it's just I think you are the guy because you're the events guy and you have those contacts. And I think you could do that very well on YouTube or on, on a, a Zoom thing or whatever. I think yeah, I, this, could be, this, this could be my uh, well first foray. You know, I'd like to think, you know, so th that was the big pivot. If we want to start getting into let's maybe we could start slowly making one or two drinks and we take it nice and easy. But uh, as soon as. All the events stopped. They all got canceled full stop around last this time last year. And so I really had to pivot. So it started with doing cocktail kits. I started making these little syrup mixers with, um, because that's something that we always did was we'd like to create these really interesting mixers and syrups yeah. so that when we showed up in an event, we can have a unique product to offer our clients, you know, something that's a little bit more than just a simple old fashioned or it's just a little added touch, a simple just sour or gin and soda or whatever it might be. Maybe it's a gin raspberry sea buckthorn soda, which is another flavor that we do have. And so we, we try to add these little touches and complexity. Yeah. We work 
syrups or we take the time ahead of time to do the prep in these syrups so the drinks still aren't confusing. They're just still just syrup, <laughs> citrus juice, and alcohol, and you shake it up and you give them a drink. It doesn't have. It's a bitter, right? The drink. So the I'm going to look at this in a second, but it's a bitter. Is that right? Yeah, there's some bitter bittering agents in a drink like this. Um, we are we are still kind of working on developing it a little bit further because we aren't a retail. Uh, we aren't like a manu- syrup manufacturing company. It takes it, it's a lot of work out of the cafe. We don't have quite the equipment for it, but we are thinking of adding bitters. But this one in particular, the monogram spice, yeah. which is a collaboration opportunity that we had with um, the the team over at Monogram, uh, Ben and Jeremy and them, and so it was kind of one of those opportunities to work with another business that I love and respect. Um, we've done some work with uh, Monogram in the past and done some events with them and done some Christmas things with them. Well, the and real so shout out because I've seen Monogram around. I didn't realize, I, I just know the name. I mean, recognize it, but I didn't know them specifically. Yeah, okay. they're kind of the new third wave coffee, the ones that really focus on kind of the origin. And, oh, right. You know, um, yeah. So it's coffee, not, so wait, they do syrups for the coffee. Oh, no, no, they do, they do coffee and I made a coffee syrup with them. Oh, okay, okay. So it's yeah, like a, it's an infused, it's an infused thing with coffee. Okay. Yeah, with one of their beautiful coffees that they received, and it has some other spices as well that kind of act as the bittering. So yeah. you don't need bitters per se if you want to make this kind of a coffee tinged old fashioned or whiskey drink, which I think turned out really well, and you know they were happy with as well. But um, okay, yeah, it's an opportunity for me to kind of pivot my business. Started doing these syrups and cocktail kits with Vine Arts or J Web and other those those business partners that I work with a ton, and then um, it turned into me doing the seminars for people. You know, I, at first I was just doing these the YouTube videos of how to make this drink. Yes, yeah. proof because proof was empty. It's owned by the same people as Vine Arts. I jumped back behind the bar. Proof, those are good friends of mine too, and I do a little video of how to make the drink. Jesse would post online, and it was a lot of fun. I did it with Shikimenya, which is also a great little, uh, uh, it's an institution in Calgary for those who love ramen. Wait, Shiki, ramen, oh, ramen, uh, ramen noodles, yeah. Ramen noodles, it's called Shikimenya, they're out of Bridgeland. And they're just, they're also, you know, uh, someone. Didn't they just part. do the, I think they did a did Life in Calgary takeover, didn't Yeah, no. they recently did. Yes. Life in Calgary. Yeah, they recently did. Jared is a very talented social media guy. But did you he see the post? He was like doing, he, he was kind of posting as if he wasn't a native English speaker. I mean, I, I know it was deliberate. I don't know if you yeah, saw yeah. that. I was, follow, I, I looked at him on Instagram, because I follow him on Instagram, Life in Calgary. Or the, the, yeah, so. Jared's a great, a great guy. And he's one of the main guys for Shikimenya. And that whole team there is amazing. And we're doing some, uh, you know, we, I helped them open up their bar. Uh, because they got a new space and it was unfortunate because it was during COVID, but we try to do, you know, patios stuff and it was through sugar water as well. Nice. So yeah, it just, COVID, what really for me was a time to, you know, all the, all our work that we were doing before was done. So then there was, it was just not coming back anytime soon. And the longer, you know, I, for me, I, I could get over things pretty quick and I'm, you know, I could pivot very easily sure. and I don't get too wrapped up into it. Um, but it was, I just saw that it wasn't going to change anytime sooner for me to try to hold on to that. It wasn't going to work. So I just started to reach out to the people that I loved working with or doing small things or have done small things in the past, see who wanted to work together, did some little products or did some little promo, did some cocktail kits with them. Yeah. And then it kind of evolved where, you know, when Christmas came around, I reached out to other clients and 
um, did cocktail seminars for them. And actually, I did a cocktail seminar for Proof as well. They were doing some seminar work, and you know, for. But what a great thing because it's it's people. I mean, I I said this to you. I think offline we were talking about the Moscow Mule. I'd never heard of the Moscow Mule, although I lived in Moscow for you know for a few years. I'd never heard, <laughs> of, and I come back and there's this drink that it's not. A, I don't you know. But that, that's a very real thing because I've I got a shaker kit back from Morgan Stanley, this conference I went to, right? And I don't know how to, I never, my wife says, you never use that shaker kit. Now my, my daughter and her boyfriend come and they use it all the time. Our bar is not my bar. It's, you know, it's just a few things. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm the old school kind of make a, make a gin and tonic and whatever, right? So. Yeah. And I think those can still be done great. And I, you know, I, it's, I think it's, there's a time and place for everything. The cocktails, they are a little bit more work. You know, the beauty is now you can get these pre-bottled cocktails yeah. or something that I always tell my guests or the people or the clients I'm doing uh, my cocktail seminars for is that it's, you know, if you're ever hosting someone, it's a great thing to do. Or if you ever have family over in the future, if you're ever doing events and you want to host it yourself, kind of making some cocktails ahead of time. You know, in a it impresses way. people. It does. It does. It does you can... people. It really does. And it's it's a little added touch of thoughtfulness, I find. Anything that you got, I, like, it's the same thing when, when you cook for someone. Yeah. When you're cooking it yourself, there's something special about it when you're making it yourself. And that's the same thing. That's like the cocktail version of... Um, or cocktails. No, ja- Jamie Oliver. I, I Google Jamie Oliver. I Google something. You need to be the Google of whatever, you know, the sugar water the events. And, and if someone's Googling it, how to make a drink, that should come up. You've got to come, you know, that, that's going to be the number of YouTube videos you make or the Zoom, Zoom calls, right? That's got to, you've got to do that. Yeah. I think for myself, you know, I never, yeah, if in talk for me, I, for my age, I feel like I'm kind of still behind a little bit on social media and all those things because for me, I realize <laughs> that being at events or doing the markets, actually being face-to-face with people, going to do a little pop-up at Shiki Menya or going to do a pop-up at my friends at Old Beautiful or doing a product at Cold Garden, that was what brought the people that actually, you know, the followers or the people that loved what I was doing. Yeah, that's the social, and you got to tag on the media, right? Come on. Yeah. 1995, Gord, I worked at Gord's running store. I don't know if you know Gord. No, no. Okay, so Gord was, every, Gord was episode number one of my podcast. But back wow. then, in 95, in the 90s, everything that was happening in the, the running community, you go, you go to Gord's. Gord's, where's the race package pickup for whatever? And you go, oh, it's over. You know, he knew everything. When's the next race for this? When are they running the, the fine arts, whatever it was, right? The, the Banff-Calgary road race. He'd know it, everything. That was the social. So now I fast forward, and I don't know if it's the same. I, I don't, I, there's a lot of sources. But what you're talking about is that all the network, everybody know. like how many names have you dropped here? You're dropping so many names, Kill. No, but now you put that to the media, right? You're going to give shout out. You and I will give shout outs to everybody. You know, you're going to do a TikTok video that shows kids how to make drinks for the parents because their parents are inebriated. Uh, kids, you're not allowed to touch those alcohol, right? But I mean, you can have fun, right? Yeah, I think that's that's what I really realized in doing. You know, we're doing the, the pod. This is my first podcast that I'm doing with you. You're natural. So. Are you kidding me? You're a natural, Kiel. This is incredible. <laughs> Yeah, but you know that's what you do end up realizing, in especially times like this, it's not, it's not, it doesn't hurt. You know, there's other things that you could be doing, of course, as a business owner. And right now, you know, when you're trying to juggle a few different ones, but 
connecting with people, doing, showing your passion in a public way and not yeah. being shy about it and not, you know, I think there is so much benefit and now more than ever, you know, I'm trying to balance my own consumption with social media <laughs> and for myself as someone who's pretty intense and has kind of an addictive personality, like if I get into something, whether it's a TV show or a book series or uh, a topic, like whether it's, it was cocktails or yeah. whatever it was in the coffee world, I kind of die full full bore in so you know it's a power it's it's there's a lot of stuff out there and so you know as i kind of do it with a little bit more awareness and intelligence i'm i am excited to kind of dive more into it it's, it's a conversation i have regularly with you know the team over atlanta rogers those are um the yeah. PR company yeah. that started with their good friends so i'm just kind of really kind of committing into that and looking to no i think so there, i think there's several like look Spilling the drinks, right? How many stains on your shirt? There's an old commercial. So you were a little bit younger. You wouldn't know. But there was a commercial where the guy would walk on. So he'd go and go, I'll have a little bit of that and a little bit of this. Oh, honey, what about a little bit of that, right? Because his, his shirt was really stained. So imagine the drink stains. Like a people, you know, you could, you could team up with someone who does the, the, um, the uh, how, what is it called? The shit, uh, the fart, uh, the, Aprons. Aprons. I can't because I think of the Russian word. And then literally, or that. So you team up with that. Okay, here's the apron to make these drinks, right? Or the stains, so you have a dry cleaner like Sheldon Fishman. He's your partner for get, You have those stains, you can't get them out. Look, this shirt is still... You know what I mean? The what, never wear a white shirt if you're making a whatever colored drink, right? Yeah, well, for those of you who, you know, for, for those in Calgary, actually they're international, but it's funny you bring up the apron company. There's a very successful chef's-driven apron company called uh, Medium Rare. And they do, you probably see their masks absolutely everywhere, but it's the masks I use. Yeah, look they at that. Beautiful chefs, uh, chefs wear, and it's uh, Cam Debransky, who uh, runs, now it's Eat Crow on Kensington, but used to do the Brasserie and also okay. Wine Bar, but he has that side business as well. So, you know, you could find it in Calgary. If you want to support your local community, there's some amazing things happening here and amazing people doing cool things. And so... Well, I had Colin Brown. Colin Brown, he's doing, he was doing something. He was on um, his Canadian Distribution Network. His Canadian Distribution Network, I think it's called. But he was, he was doing, he was going to do this thing. It looks like a CD cover. But it was like a CD. You know those old, see, again, you're probably too young to remember those CDs. But it was a case for your car. But he's taken that to put your a case to carry, um, you know, multiple masks. And that, that was a few months ago. I don't know where you got with that. Right? I... I, I do remember CD when I was that young. <laughs> I am still 1990 days. I, yeah, I just had to, I just I had to say that. I go to HMV every Wednesday, I think, the new releases were. Go to the mall yeah. uh, with my mom because, you know, at the cafe, it was, we had the craziest CD collection because, you know, at the cafe, you're playing music. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the playlist. It was part of the work expense. We'd go and grab new CDs. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's jazz. funny. So I remember CDs well. The CD books that used to be like four CDs per page, and it's it's at your car. And, yes, you know, CD we still have there. it. <laughs> the CDs in the stuck in there. Oh, the CDs stuck. We can't get it out. But anyway, <laughs> I would, the, the last thing I want to go back to Chinatown because I still remember way, at Center Street somewhere there was a lifetime membership in VHS. VHS. I remember going and it was this little shop. Somewhere along Center Street, if you go down and to the left there, I mean, I don't know where he is today. Of course, he's no longer there, but you know that lifetime membership for rentals of videos. Gosh. Yeah. Good. good uh, yeah. That's. Uh, it's nice to reminisce about. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's mix a drink. Let's mix. We're gonna end off. 
I'm gonna pull out the box for you. I'm gonna bring it closer to the video, the camera. I won't move my. Bring it out. Bring it out. So this was delivered today. Let me just. Oh, the. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go here. So this was delivered today. Fresh. That logo is your logo. So let's t yeah. let's talk about the logo for the benefit of the listeners out there. Yeah, the Sugarwater logo. I had a good friend of mine, Kendra, des help design it for me. Um, she she worked with us a ton, and you know that's what you realize. Also, a lot of people in the industry they have so many other interests and skill sets, and yeah, for whatever they use the industry to kind of support them to go to school or whatever else. But she helped design that logo. It's kind of designed in such a way that looks like a martini glass or coupe. And I have something right here that is similar. Yeah, so this is the martini. No, this is the martini glass. That yeah, well, I don't. Know if but that looks like that more like my you know, than your when you're holding when you're holding oh, okay but that looks like a sherry you know where they put that they put the shrimp cocktail or something like that in it Which, <laughs> yeah that's that's also what people do with these cocktail glasses hi listeners the podcast stopped recording for a few minutes while i unpacked the cocktail kit that keo had sent me for your benefit, the box contained two bottles of sugar water syrup, one is titled Monogram Spice, and the other is Raspberry Sea Buckthorn. In addition, the box contained two bourbon glasses from the Beam Centauri collection, and finally, Kyo included two recipe cards inside the box, providing me several options for making my own cocktails. The podcast continues with Kyo describing the Alberta distillery bottle on his shelf. Okay, so we just we're gonna continue. Something happened there, Kyo. So wait, you're telling me about Alberta Distillery? Sorry, that. Yeah, it's it's so you know I'll, I will shout out to the Alberta Distillers, which is the company that uh, distills Alberta Premium, right in on Ogden Road down in the southeast, kind of in Manchester area as well, kind of in that new brewery district. Yeah. Think, where eighty eight Brewing is now, and Dandy, and those places there. Uh, Alberta Distillers is kind of right there, and it has been there since 1946. But they call it the Barley Belt, don't they? Is that what they call it? Yeah, they call it the Barley Belt now. Yeah, yeah that, all, all those breweries in Inglewood and all the way down uh, further south and east. But uh, um, they're part of a group, actually. They got bought by a group called uh, Suntory Toki. Okay. Or Beam Suntory. So Beam Suntory, they do this, the, uh, the glasses, the whiskey glasses that I got you, that Legend 7. Um, they so they have this Alberta Premium as part of their port portfolio. They have sips. So no relation, no relation to Jimmy Beam. No, no. <laughs> but that you know that that's Jimmy Beam. I don't know what the kind of drink it is, but it just it sticks out in my head. Yeah, uh, but actually, while well, Jim Bean is part of that oh Jim Bean, that's it. Sorry, yeah. Actually, yeah, Jim Bean is on their portfolio, so that's kind of that part of the business side of. Um, spirits that most people maybe don't know or maybe know a little bit but yeah. yeah it's generally owned by a company that owns you know dozens of brands um and really has you know just a diverse set they have a, they have a vodka brand or whatever well kind of makes sense right because when you get a concentration like and i had the, i had um i was at the Dist uh, village brewery and with uh, stefan horsky we were you know i was in the, there was the pre-covid days and he said there's going to be some, he wasn't saying, I don't know who and where, but there's so many, so much supply and not everybody's going to be able to make it, you know, whatever, for whatever reasons. And so it, it, it's kind of a natural consolidation. I don't know if you saw that trend over the pre-COVID days or anything like that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's in absolutely everything. Consolidation, I think, has been happening since 
it's probably been the trend as soon as globalization really started to blow up and the yeah. internet and allowed for more eyes to see and bigger brands to become more national. So I think consolidation, and it's, it's a thing in the coffee industry as well. A lot of coffee brands get bought up by bigger brands. And yeah. A little more intense action coffee because some of the players are so absolutely massive. But alcohol as well, you have some extremely large companies that are running these uh, large international companies. So, well, local, even locally, like at some point, somebody's going to do something better than just buy them. They'll take them out, or or they'll buy. If you know, like you just said, now they've they've got products and glasses and accessories and aprons and and things yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. The swag. The, the swag. swag. Is that what you call the swag? A couple of glasses in there from that group, and they've been, like I said before, they've been very generous. Uh, but these are bourbon. These are bourbon glasses, right? Yeah, some really nice old-fashioned glasses, and that's the thing. I wouldn't, I don't want to offer my guests any ever like anything that I feel like is cheap or something that I wouldn't use myself. But you know, there's a couple of great glasses. These coupes actually are from the same group. Uh, they're they're Sipsmith coupes, but yeah, from I don't know if you can see Sipsmith on the <laughs> bottom there. I can, I can't, but yeah, my eyes are okay. But so. Traditionally, in our cocktail kits, we'll have our syrup mixers in there. So I got you a couple of those as well, so we could mix a couple of drinks. This is insane. Should I go get some ice as well? I should probably go yeah. get some. So I've got a couple of instructions here as well for the benefit of the listener and the, the viewers. But you've got so wonder. These are recipes, right, to make a drink. Yeah. Some recipe drinks for some drinks that uh, you know fit for the. Raspberry sea buckthorn syrup that you have, as well as our. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this is the coffee one, right? Or no? The coffee one. Yeah, that's the one I was showing you. That's the one we did with Monogram this one. Over, uh, over the wintertime. Awesome. So, Monogram. So, I remember I shouted out there was a LinkedIn post, and I didn't know they were coffee. And I said, wouldn't that be great if you're monogrammed? No, somebody did a post, and I thought it was, I didn't know what it was. I thought monogram is, you know, your shirts or whatever. And I said, wouldn't that be cool if you had monogram shirts with, and I can't remember what it was. It was a cross post, but. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic for the name just makes so much sense. Like, get your monogram shirt, but they're, they're coffee, right? Monogram. Yeah, they're coffee. It yeah. speaks to kind of the simple design aesthetic that they have that I really love as well. So. Okay, so then the second one is Raspberry Sea Buckthorn. Yeah, it's kind of our, it's, you know, Sea Buckthorn is kind of one of those, I, I like to add something a little obscure to everything that I do, something that has a little bit of a story. And, you know, everyone loves raspberries. It's very you know, common ingredient. But sea buckthorn is one of those things that isn't known so well. So on the label, the fruit that you see is actually a sea buckthorn plant. Yeah. And traditionally from the Himalayas, but it grows in this region, this bioregion as well. So Alberta, the Rocky Mountains, it requires a high, higher elevation. And it's this these beautiful silvery kind of bushes that kind of look like pine pine bushes but, yeah um, they have these golden berries on them that are like spectacular and they have this they're very um they're tart they're super tart and so they bring a little bit of acidity to um the raspberries so you know it's a nice little touch i i find and they're considered like a superfood so there's that's and there's a nice little story in there as well that so I this is but this is alcohol I don't no, mean it. These are not alcoholic. So these are the syrups that we kind of mix with the alcohol oh. that you'll have at home. So this can be see. This is the I was going to talk about black cloud bitters because Rob Kazanowski. Uh, do you know Rob? Yeah. yeah. So Rob was talking about because we can sell it just like vanilla because it's got a low alcohol content, and you'll never drink it. You'll never drink it because it's so bitter, and yeah. so he could sell it. He kept he could sell it at Sobeys, but he could also sell it at the liquor stores. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it does. So it, it does not have a low alcohol percentage. It actually has a very high alcohol percentage traditionally. Okay. Generally, bitters you need a high alcohol percentage to extract. Okay. Bitter like the the elements. So it's generally like actually around fifty to forty percent. Okay, so actually, that but you're not just going to drink it because of that. Exactly. It's so bitter. Exactly. It's 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 bitter. It's you just add a touch and it really gives a bright flavor. They do a great flavor like a charred cedar is kind of what they're. Well, what I think they're known for, yeah, and it has really intense cedar, char, uh, smoky uh, flavor that's really unique. But the, what, imagine the guy's job at Alberta, what is it, AL, AGLC or whatever it is. I'm gonna test those bitters, making sure. I just need to check it just to make sure, right? It's just not quite right. But it's like a taste test. It's not like a concentration. It's a concentration, but it's not like you can you can put in and, and stick dick a fork, uh, dick a stick a meter or whatever it is. It's like you got to taste it. That's the yeah, taste it. You gotta taste it. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it's actually it's one of those original cure alls, but they are, uh, you know, like uh, Rob said, that you could sell, you could find bitters at supermarkets. Yeah, now. Uh, Angostura. Maybe that's even the growth of cocktail cultures. You could buy one of the most traditional and widely used um, bitters. I can go grab one in a bit here. Maybe when you grab your ice, but. Uh, it's like one of those quintessential original bitters, and um, it's it's available at any major supermarket. So. No, it's funny. It, it, so the last thing to trigger was because in in the Middle East, particularly in Qatar, we could not buy vanilla. You'd have to go to a special section, kind of like pork, right? Because vanilla's got alcohol in it, and so pure vanilla it wasn't sold on the, the main aisle, or sometimes not at all. You know, and so. Yeah, I'm sure in Qatar, like I think you mentioned, very strict alcohol laws and uh, consumption. One there. one store in the entire, just not just Doha, but the entire Qatar is one store, and it was Qatar Distribution uh, QDC, and you and you and they were open and it was busy all the time, right? Pre-COVID, because I was there before COVID, but in in Dubai it was a little different. There was a red door next to the the, the grocery store, and I'm like, I thought it was a brothel. I didn't, you know, I literally thought it was a yeah. massage parlor. No, 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 because they had a red door, right? So you make the assumption, right? Yeah. No, no, that's the alcohol. So that was my first exposure in Dubai. And you need a license. You needed to get a, a license. So obviously there's fees, right? They get the fees from that. And uh, same in Qatar. But in Dubai, you could go to, if you had the license, you'd go to any, but if you didn't have it, you had to drive to this place called Umal Kawain, and it was the free zone, and you could buy alcohol. But anyway, there's was, there was a whole story to that. It's incredible. So... Can't wait to hear it. Maybe, uh, maybe as we're drinking these drinks, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the story. But okay, so I'm going to get. So this is the uh, the marker. This is from uh, the bourbon the bourbon guys. Or who is this yeah, from? Yeah, it's a beautiful glass. So I was more than happy. I'm more than happy to kind of work with them, and I use uh, for a lot of the cocktail kits that we do. You know, we use their glassware and uh, their bottles. But yeah. yeah, very generous with it, and it's a it's a beautiful glass that I think people would actually want to keep because you don't want there's some. Sometimes you get tacky glasses that aren't, uh, you know, <laughs> overly branded and, uh, you know, they just kind of, they, they're going to be going to the next uh, donation uh, run. That yeah, you yeah, yeah. cocktail glasses when you go to the, when you go to the... Uh, the no, I get it. But this has got a soul, so this has got a good weight to it and it's got the nice, whatever, this um, design on it. So you, when you and grab the design, it... The etching. The etching, yeah. So yeah, so if you, if you get some ice, yeah. do you have any lemons at your place? I've got a lemon. Drink? Okay, I've got a lemon. What else do I need? And just some ice. Okay, so the pod, I'll leave the podcast running for the benefit. Of the, you want to talk to the podcast? I'll go get some ice and the lemon. 
I'll keep them. I'll keep them entertained. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll try to keep them entertained at least. It's weird because at least on this video they kind of see my face. But, uh, yeah. So what we're gonna be doing next is we're gonna be going through the cocktail seminars that I've been doing from my home, where uh, Alan keeps talking about kind of this back bar that I have. Uh, this impressive back bar that I have. So you know, when our guests see me online, they they kind of know that I'm uh, probably a bartender, either a bartender or someone with a drinking problem. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I've been passionate about cocktails, like I mentioned before to Alan, um, just through it's the sheer history of it, it's tradition and kind of our ancient cultures, whether it's Egypt or whatnot. Oh yeah, I see some lemons there. Well, I brought I brought the squeeze. I'm talking a little bit about I don't know what I have to start rambling. I mean, That's all right. I, it's funny because I'm I'm so used to rambling nowadays. Uh, <laughs> because whenever I do these cocktail seminars, it's essentially me talking to people for thirty to forty-five to an hour. But this is why you need. Hopefully, they ask questions on in the chat. Yeah. But it's really just kind of me talking to them, going through the different recipes. But but Kyo, this is you. This is where the video and the content, right? So you don't have to keep repeating that, or you send people, you funnel them off. You know, I already learned that one, and then okay, you funnel them to your the content page. Other content, yeah, yeah. I totally see that. That's it, it, I think, you know, the beauty is with this, with what I started doing, is that I'm actually chatting with people all throughout Canada. Yeah, I think most of the people that I've actually done events for is through Ontario. Um, just because the companies that I work with here in Calgary, they, we did we did a bunch of stuff in Calgary, but their head offices are in Ontario, or most of their staff is in Ontario. Right, or right. With all partners in the U.S., so I've been sending these kits out to, you know, Louisiana, Georgia, to Seattle, to California, a bunch, and then all throughout Canada, from Newfoundland to the island. And nice. Now more than ever, it's now I've realized that my scope isn't just Calgary anymore and I'm excited to kind of start growing that out and it's always kind of been a plan or hope and now it's actually coming into reality, so. No, because the video is going to be, first of all, it's timeless and then you can use the content, you can take the audio from a video and use that and you can also ship it anywhere, right? That, you don't have to, you can, the guy can be in Ireland or in, in Australia and they're going to pick that up, so. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. Well, let's let's get into the first one. Let's do it just a simple, um, old-fashioned. If you want to grab your shaker, and maybe one of your martini glasses as well. Okay. And either a whiskey, gin, or any spirit that you're actually curious of. If there's a spirit in there that you have no idea what it is, and you're feeling adventurous, Alan, we can we can work with that as well. Because I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the spirits that I have. I got a lot of gin. I'm going to go with the gin. And I want to show you this. This we got as a gift from a f my daughter had a friend in, uh, in Wales. So this is a bottle. This was a bottle in, uh, it says Aberfalls, Rider Far. I mean, it's literally from, from Wales, from North Wales. I love that. See, and that's one of those beautiful things. It's a Welsh dry gin. I love that. Yeah. So that, we're, we're pretty much to the end of that. I don't want to touch it. I'll just drink some Gordon's. For the benefit of the listeners, it's just Gordon's, just plain old Gordon's. But I wanted to show you that because there was really, I mean, you could see that you could feel, it's like a good vodka. My wife says you've got to have a Russian vodka from Russia, not, you know, on the shelves here. Yeah, so. exactly. Okay, so I'm going to go with the gin. So we got the gin. I'm going to use my, let's use a shaking tin. 
So I got my shaking tin here for those of you who are <laughs> seeing the video. This is a Boston style, nice and uh, industrial, like very good for uh, high volume use. It's not the fanciest thing. But if you see over at Allen, he's got a beautiful cobbler style if you want to show that off. Yeah, so the cobbler style has the lid on top. I hope you still have the lid for that, Alan. Yeah, because you can't shake it without it. Yeah, so that... I want that liquid uh, spring everywhere. But so what we're going to do is I'll take the, the vessel here and I have something called a jigger. I don't know, Alan, if you have a jigger back there, a cocktail measuring tool, or even like a shot glass works as well. This comes from... This comes from Russia. This this shot glass is uh, my wife has a collection, um, and it literally I'll show you. It says we're on that. I don't know where it's from, but this is this is the liqueur bottle, right? And I think I think this comes from St. Petersburg. That's stunning. That, I, I, yeah, I love yeah, it's it. from St. Petersburg. It's a factory. You can see the bottom, handmade in, in St. Pete's. Oh, beautiful. So this this is you know it's one of those. Little 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 stopper, and there's a little stopper, and so this is her like the whole set. It's a set that my wife brought back. Oh, beautiful! Well, you have to fill it one of these days for your guests with either a martini mix or an old-fashioned mix, and you just kind of keep on the side there because that stuff doesn't go bad. Yeah. Well, she brought sherry back. She brought sherry. She brought some sherry back, and it got all over the clothing, so it was all red. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what do we do? What's next? Get the shot glass. We'll grab your spirit. Yeah. I'm going to do a whiskey version just for the sake. Or actually, let's do Pisco. I've been really feeling Pisco lately. And Pisco being um, a product that is similar to vodka, but it is the instead of potatoes or wheat, uh, Pisco is a product from Chile and Peru that uses the... Uh, pressings from the grape harvest so they'll use whatever excess comes from the grape harvest yeah or from wine harvest and then they'll distill that and it has this beautiful kind of floral really kind of like you do get the sense of grapes and um grape fields and grape flowers and grape stem and um the skins of the grapes as well so i'm going to use that it's kind of a nice substitute and that's what i love to tell the guests is that the recipe might say gin. Yeah. I always think gin are comparable. But if you're not a gin drinker, you go with vodka. Or if you want to do white rum, you go with white rum because white rum is where how daiquiris are made. Or if you want to do something, a dark whiskey, you can make a whiskey sour, but the exact same recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's kind of the beauty of cocktails is that a lot of these uh, recipes, there's only so much you can do with like three ingredients where most of the alcohol is the same. Yeah. Where it's percent alcohol across the board around the world for spirits and then because of globalization and global trade um the lemons that we use they're almost all the same variety of lemon it's it's commercially used around the world the same style of lemon even though there's tons of different varieties of lemons and limes it's just the happens to be the one that's the juiciest yeah and it's the, the generally uh, a similar shape so that's kind of one of the things that are always interesting about the globalization and cocktails is very much a picture of globalization as it's happened over time with the different spirits and different uh, ingredients that are being used and the fact that even even colonialization a big part of 
survival on the boat was your dram of whisk or your dram of rum. Yeah. If you're on the boats going traveling over the sea, or even the syrups that you might use that are vinegar based to extract fresh ingredients so you don't get scurvy. So wow. Um, yeah. So I think there's some beautiful history tie-ins. Let's do two ounces of the spirit. So two shots for you. Okay. Um, and I'm gonna do two ounces on my jigger here. I think I have a jigger somewhere because I told you I have a kit. I got the kit way back in Moscow years ago at a Morgan Stanley. Uh, it says Morgan Stanley right on it at a conference, an investor conference. And I, I, this is where the shaker comes from. So that yeah. jigger, I've seen the jigger. I didn't know what it was. This is great because like, it could show people that you don't have to get too precious about it. As long as you kind of ha have a good enough eye of a level, you could use a shot glass and you just adjust it to taste. So, you know, for bartenders too, we don't, the precision comes, you know, and the speed comes from just repetition. Yeah. And so you take a little bit of time and you can make a great drink with just a shot glass. So you got two shots in there? Yeah, there's two shots. Two shots? Okay. We're going to go into the lemon juice now. What you can do, Alan, is if you want, I always love fresh squeezed lemon juice. So, but if it's, if it's too inconvenient, I saw that you did have some... Um, I brought this just so I don't have to cut the lemon because I can use that for the... Yeah. Yeah. For the garnish, yeah. So what I'll do first is you're going to use a lemon. Use, uh, on the recipe, says three quarters of an ounce. So right below on the shot glass, try to go three quarters of an ounce of that shot glass or three quarters. So we're squeezing of some glass. of that lemon in. But what I'll tell you is maybe dial it back just a bit. Because it'll be, okay, so about half. Dial it back maybe in between half of the glass and three quarters of an ounce because... The lemon, the pasteurized lemon that you're using right now, the one that you buy from the store, the lemon juice yep. you buy from the store, it's been pasteurized, so it doesn't come across as um, as sweet as fresh lemon juice does. Okay. And once it's oxidized, it actually comes across as a little bit more sour. So you just have to balance that a bit. When you're using recipes, um, if it uses fresh lemon juice and you have the other lemon juice, just dial back the amount of lemon juice a bit. It. it doesn't come across as too sour. I'm going to take a peel from my lemon first. This is what I like to do for events. Before I juice any of my lemons, I'll take the garnishes off just so I don't waste anything, you know, as a business owner. It's, uh, it's you know. So wait, you're taking you off, you, what, for the rind, the lemon rind? Yeah, so I'll always take off the rinds first. So I'm only, I'm going to take off just a few that I need and then I'm going to juice it just so I don't need to use multiple limes and I can still get fresh lemon juice. And so oh, I just okay. have this great little handy hand juicer here. Whatever yeah. you could use, you could use your hand um, if you have more of a bowl. But I'm going to put it in a separate container. Let me just do it quickly right now. And so three quarter ounces yep. of the juice. But this is incredible. This is, this is amazing. And it's perfect. Half a lemon, three quarter ounces. And then let's open up the syrup. I would suggest the... So wait, I pour this in now in with the gin, right? Uh, yes, okay. in with the gin. And I would go with a raspberry sea buckthorn for yourself. I think that is going to just taste a little bit more aligned with the botanicals, the fruit. When you go with a lighter spirit, you want something a little bit brighter, maybe more citrusy and more fruity. But there's a little um, metal or a little tab on the side, if you could find it. Yeah, you just pull that there. Oh, that's it. Yeah, see, that's easy. And, just, and you kind of just rip it off, and it should be nice and easy. 
Okay, my guy came off, so now I need the I need to use the knife. Oh yeah, good. The guy came off. He the, the the I had it, and then it just you know I pulled too hard. No, this is good. This is almost like product testing. I always want people to tell me when something the customer experience isn't what they're hoping. No, it was working, and I think I just pulled too. You know, when you go too far with it, and then you pull. Yeah, but you know, as, a, as you know, I like those little things. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, it's. it's, it's I know it's ultimately fine, but. Okay, so yeah. now, how much of it do I use my shot glass? Yeah, shot glass, and do three quarters of an ounce of that as well. So a little bit more than the lemon juice that you put in. There's already going to be a little bit of residual. Can I try this a little bit? Yeah, it's going to be yeah. bitter. The smell. Tell everyone what what you think. It's really syrupy. It's like it's thick. It's syrup. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So. It, it's not. It's something that you want to add in addition to. It's a one-to-one -one syrup. So okay. pop it in, drink there. And Alan, do you want to do an egg white? What's your What's your stance on egg white drinks? Well, I'd have to get the egg whites. I've never had. I've never done an egg white drink. So you want to, Let's try one. If you want to go grab an egg, we'll do that. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about. Uh, I should have mentioned that before, but we could. Uh, okay. Yeah, we'll get into the introduce the history behind the egg white. Yeah, Alan's gonna go get his egg white. But for myself, I'll separate the egg white. Um, you can, there's, when you think of traditional sours, drinks that are called sours, you know, now there's more of a connotation that it's literally sour, so it uses citrus juice. But also a salad drink, sours, generally also have an egg white. There's people that, you know, might um, use the word sour differently, but traditionally, a, a sour cocktail has an egg white in it. If it has an entire egg, it'll generally have the term flip, unless, you know, it's an obscure name because they got, um, you know, all the new, a new age cocktail these days might be named after something, you know, quite trendy or hip or something from the past. You think of if they're trying to create something unique, so. Um, but traditionally, a sour, if you ask for a sour, it'll generally have an egg white in it. If you ask for a flip, they'll have an egg yolk. Okay, so I don't know. I used to have an egg. We used to have a, a white a separator. It was like a yellow thing. Can I use this, the screen, or no? It'll fall through. Um, no, if, because all we're doing is we're separating the egg white and the yolk. I don't think this screen will work, but okay. let's try this out, Alan, because, you know, I don't know if you cook much at home, but if there's a, there's a technique to separating egg whites. I'm going to do this right over my shaker. So I'm right down the middle because it's nice and sharp, so it's easy to crack. Okay, I. So ch I can't see the, the bottom of the screen because I might something's happened to my screen here. Okay. Oh, yeah. So I just cracked it. Um, you get and because of the shaker, it kind of has a nice cut over it. Okay. I'm gonna break it open, so you want it nice and half in the middle. But I'm going to then make sure I keep uh, the egg yolk or the egg yolk in the larger uh, side of the egg. Okay. And I'm just gonna transfer the egg yolk back and forth and let the egg whites fall in between into my vessel. Let them fall where they may. Let the chips fall where they may. Oh, I see. So I'm keeping That's the egg. Okay, so how much of that do I need, all of it? The whole egg white. And okay. then, you could, then you just kind of leave the egg yolk to the side. I like to keep the egg yolks for maybe an extra, um, 
I don't know if you make custards at home or maybe an extra yolk. Well, because you're the cafe guy, right? You're the cafe keeping it. My wife usually puts it in the fridge and it gets hardened and leaves. So I said, just throw it out because we're, if we're not going to use it. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. If you're not going to use it, just throw it out. Then if you're... Uh, or the dog. I think the dog, will, the dog will eat it. So, Okay, okay. so this goes in now into the, my mixer. Uh, no, the egg white goes in. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So egg white's going in. All right. Okay, now I got egg whitey on my hand. So I, don't you do it in your hair or something? People use egg whites <laughs> in the hair. I'm not going to do that, but that. Okay. So if egg white is in the drink now, what we're going to do is something called a dry shake. I'm not going to put any ice in. And the idea is the reason you put the egg white is when you have a beautiful sour cocktail. Yeah. You have a beautiful head of foam on it. Oh, and it has right. that beautiful texture, almost like a latte or a cappuccino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to get a nice hard seal. And I'm going to start the emulsification process of the cocktail by starting to shake it, but without diluting the drink. And this is a, this is a part, you like, go nice and hard. You know, everyone has their own different style. You can go one hand, you can go two hand. But I recommend, you know, as a bartender, you want to give a nice hard shake to really get that emulsification process started. So you incorporate the egg white, but also get the volume that you look for when you're adding egg, uh, egg whites to anything. That's incredible. So our 15 to 20 seconds of a nice hard shake. Oh, so it is the labor of love. It's not sealed quite those, well, so I'm getting it some... It's one of those things that you could um, actually make in a blender. You could actually put this all in a blender and it makes beautiful foam because of all of that uh, friction. And, yeah. Uh, just took a peek inside. I'm going to give it a nice extra little shake. Maybe switch some arms so uh, I get a nice little balance. <laughs> And then I'm gonna pop this open here, and then I'm gonna fill, See, this fill thing, it with a good amount of ice. Do you have a secret for opening this thing? Because it doesn't come. It so, doesn't. So uh, that yeah, that part there, you kind of gotta give it a nice hard, maybe a nice hard smack on the side. Um, there you go. Wow. Perfect. That worked out really well. It gets the pressure. Okay, so what yeah. am I doing? Yeah, there's foamy. It's all foamed up. So, Fill over half of it with ice. So if you had some ice on the side, if you got a good amount of ice, uh, it's your time to kind of fill up your shaker. Okay, I need a little more ice because that wasn't very much. Okay. Well, that was a good trick. That was a really good trick to get the lid off because usually you just can't pull it, but that was good. If it's a good cocktail tool, they're meant to be abused, you know, and when you're working with liquids, you want that tight seal, so you make sure it's nice and tight, but when you want to pop it off, you kind of got to give it the same amount of force. Wonderful. Okay. So now that you have a good amount of ice in here, we're going to top it off again. I'm going to give a nice smack on the table here. Okay. And for another 10, 15 seconds, we'll give it a nice hard shake. You're like Tom Cruise in that uh, cocktail movie. Yeah, you're in a Tom Cruise. Whatever you get in like four minutes. And then that should be good. My shaker's nice and frosty now. Yeah, so is mine. And then you want to just do the same thing. Maybe give it a nice little hit. And it should kind of release a touch. There you go. And But it's, it's perfectly fine. Now that you have that top lid off. Yeah. You can now pour your drink into your glass. I can already feel it. This is going to be good. <laughs> so 
So I have something called a Hawthorne strainer here, cocktail. Oh yeah, strainer. I've seen that thing before. I didn't know what it was. In cocktails, they just love their tools. So this is a Hawthorne style strainer. I'm going straight to drinking because this thing is good. Oh, do, do it up. I'm gonna pour this drink here. Alan, what I would say, just to kind of go through the whole bar experience, is take, if, uh, do you have a peeler handy or you have a little knife? I've got a knife here. If you want to cut some peel, how I do it is I do it lengthwise so it's nice and long. You could, you could manicure it as well, which is just kind of like straightening the sides out, which you might see at a cocktail bar. So I'll manicure mine just a bit. Yeah. So it's kind of got that nice, consistent look there for... Yeah. Beautiful. And what you're going to do is you're going to break... You're going to break the peel over the drink. And you'll see the, or, the uh, lemon oils being expressed over the drink, especially with the sour. You'll see all the bubbly... Uh, you'll see it kind of bubble up but you also see the oils themselves. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna rub it against the rim. And what some bars or bartenders like to do is also rub it along the stem, along the stem and the base. Yeah. And all you're doing is that the most flavorful part of any citrus fruit is it's... the aroma that you get from the citrus oils. Yeah. Anytime you cut into a, um, a grapefruit or orange or lemon you get that bright beautiful flavor that you don't ever get from say the juice yeah and so what that does is as soon as you put it to your nose you get that beautiful fragrance of just fresh lemon and also in your hands as well it's one of those subconscious things it's one of those little that's incredible because the, the scent drink yeah yeah the scent is powerful like it's just what you just wow so what i'll do here is i'll give you a little Look at my cocktail. I got a little box of booze over there. Kind <laughs> of see that beautiful foam that kind of created. Yep. And what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna grab one of the bitters and I'm gonna show you how you might want to dress this. You can always drop your lemon peel on, but I don't like to do that with the sour, just because you that foam. You don't really want to break that. So I'm going to use Angostura because Angostura is one of those quintessential, um, this, everyone probably recognizes and sees this. This is the bane of most bartenders' existences because this stuff will never come off. This is one of the most... Mega stain. Like, so this is back to my, your relation, you need a relationship with a, uh, with a dry cleaner. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to gently drop... Make a couple of drops over top of the drink if there's even a one, two. Three, yeah. Four. So it's kind of a brownish looking. So that's a bitter, right? Is that what you've just put on? That's yeah. That's a drinking bitter. And what I'm gonna do, similar to how I would do it with like a latte, do a little latte art. Look at that. Take a little drawing here. Little hearts. And it's just kind of an added effect. You could do a little bit more, but it, yeah. it creates a little bit of a kind of a pretty picture there, and it, it, that's what the foam allows you to do, and that's for. You know, whether you're a bartender or a barista, that's very common in both yeah, yeah. worlds. Do a little latte art, a little cocktail art. Um, Fantastic. So traditional sour. You know, people know this to be whiskey sours where, where they might add a little bit of red wine. That's always a great option. Right. Um, you see that beautiful kind of foam there. Cheers, Alan. You did great. Cheers. This is the, this is the drink. Kyo is absolutely fantastic. 
and it's one of those things nice and chilled it has that fruitiness that you get yeah it has botanicals it's nice and strong i personally like kind of the bigger bolder punchier uh cocktails i just like flavors that kind of hit you in the mouth and there's something there that's but that tangy's there like it's very tangy is that that's from the raspberry mix what i have because is it the raspberry mix and it's also from the lemon juice oh yeah sorry but i forgot the lemon yeah and the alcohol and kind of cuts the cuts the syrupiness just so it stays bright. But so next time I suggest, you know, trying fresh lemon juice and maybe even doing a side to side. Or if it's one of those things, if you need it a little bit boozier, if you want to try it or if you want it a little bit sweeter. Yeah. Just dial it in as you would. Um, and the recipes are kind of, I always re- let people, you know, I always like to encourage people to make it their own. If if the recipe calls for one thing, it's a very standardized recipe. Sure. But for myself, if a guest likes something in particular, wants maybe it's stiffer, I like to have that conversation. Do you like something a little sweeter? Do you like something a little bit less, maybe more sour or more bitter? And that's part of the ex- service experience as well. But so. I, this, I'm sorry, you. This is an art. Like your what you've, you know that that this is you know you talk about monetizing this or whatever it is. Like you know that. This is what people pay for, right? Your talent, your knowledge, and the little bit of history that you bring to, you know, the, the history of why they did this or, you know, it's incredible. Kill. Yeah, it's, I find it's been a cool kind of, you know, it's for someone as social as I am and someone who loves the service aspect and what that's what brings me joy. So even if I'm not, I don't need to make a ton of money if I'm still connecting with people and you know, able to support people and business and events that I am passionate about or support my community in those ways. Yeah. That's, that's what makes me happy. And, you know, for COVID that's kind of gone a bit down the drain, but I found it again, doing online things and doing online seminars. I think I've done over. That's your swag. That That's your swag. You know, the toe drag swag. I don't know if you know that expression. Oh, I, know, I know. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's Nate. Yeah, yeah, um, Nate Robinson. Yeah, Nate Robinson from Nate Robinson, uh, Detroit Lions. Yeah, he's a uh, toe drag swag. Yeah, so they do that in the NFL, the NFL Network, right? So he does that. That's the first thing that came to my mind. But I, I wanted to wait for that one. But that this is your swag, and I, literally, for the benefit of the listeners out there, Kill has been d- done a wonderful job. I'm already tipsy, but I, you know, Kill, <laughs> I, I want to thank you for the the from the podcast side. You and I can bounce a little bit after, but uh, really, how do people find you for the podcast listeners out there? Yeah, you could find me at sugarwater.bar. I'm I'm on Instagram there or you and I cafe um, on Instagram. We're just I'm working with Lana to start to do more of our web presence and stuff, but I have a little landing page for Sugarwater and uh, you can find all my contact information there. sugarwater.bar, that's my website as well as my Instagram handle. Yes, yeah, then we have um, some other projects we're kind of working on. You know, through the cafe, we started a new food project that we're actually going to be working closely with the Cal- Calgary uh, Economic Development. So that's a conversation maybe we could have for another podcast. I have a shirt on from the shout out to the Live, Live Tech Love Life uh, handle. I have a t-shirt. Thanks from Megan uh, Chelsea Bartlett from uh, Calgary Economic Development for sending me this over. And you'll be able to see me wearing this shirt for the first time because usually you don't hear it from the podcast. But thanks to Kill with the Zoom uh, Zoomcast together. But I'm going to sign off on the podcast. Kyo, thanks so much. It's been great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.